0: This is 37 Families, Season 1 Chapter 5. In this episode, we will be juxtaposing the behavioralist paradigm with the purely biological one in consideration of our discussion in the last episode. To begin, when one is an infant, one's feelings are merely nascent or concealed as they are by the inability to act on them or verbalize them. As part of this early stage of development, One depends upon a caregiver to rationalize those feelings and meet them. In other words, it is in the self consciousness of the caregiver, their self awareness, that they are able to contextualize the needs of the infant, and thereby provide a meaningful rationalization, acting upon them. That is to say, an infant, an adolescent, has little responsibility. In this state, one's behaviors are in some basic way defined by a behavioralist paradigm. The impulses are unformed, undefined, conscripted into particular pathways of expression by the self-consciousness of the caregiver. When one reaches maturity, there is an expectation that the social actor will act on their impulses, either by rationalizing their feelings or by acting directly upon their environment. In this state, the social actor must take responsibility for the consequences of their impulses. This state is one defined by a biological paradigm. The failure to express one's impulses is a failure to take responsibility for one's actions, an abdication of responsibility. The expression or verbalization of an impulse in whatever fashion represents the reduction of the feeling to particular language, which the other can use to assist with facilitation of the need. That is to say, verbalization is only the second step in the process. By verbalizing one's needs to another, one is taking on the first part of the process, that is rationalization, without actually acting to effectuate that need. The final stage in the process is the action pursuant to the need. That is, in taking what is needed to fulfill the feeling. Self-conscious impulses carry the consciousness of the other, and in so doing, animate the other into arrangements called experience channels which effectuate the expression of a particular impulse through action. In other words, the action takes place within a context defined by a particular rationalization. The arrangement of social actors is designed to optimize or slot in the expression of the impulse and the corresponding rationalization. Now, in the process of passing the portion which corresponds to the verbalization of particular feelings, the thirty-seven families assign an archetypal role to their offspring in early puberty. This facilitates the verbalization of particular feelings specific to a particular archetypal designation. But it is not the archetypal designation by the caregiver which assures facilitation of particular impulses, but rather a willingness to act on those impulses. Thus. The archetype merely enables the offspring to verbalize the need, which still must be fulfilled by the particular arrangements of the other. Thus, we see that the behavioralist paradigm predominates only in so much as one fails to rationalize a feeling or fails to fulfill a feeling or an impulse by acting. In this protostate, one's identity remains plastic, hence, one is able to observe the system responding to concealed and self conscious impulses. Through the generation of experience channels to accommodate them. Finally, since the assigning of a particular rationalization is mediated by the other, whether through direct rationalization in pre-verbal individuals or through archetypal assignments provided in early development, a person in the second stage, that is the pre-action stage, remains plastic. But the system as a whole is guided and oriented by non-verbalized impulses and self-conscious impulses. Self-conscious impulses generate orientations that provide affirmation and fulfillment. Concealed impulses orient social actors according to verbal arrangements, without the corresponding social dimension. The assigning of a particular word to a particular impulse is the output of that consciousness. The meaning provided by the other of that particular word, attributing an impulse, is the input of consciousness. Which is to say, that impulses to which there are corresponding attributed impulses, whether the same or not, are self-conscious. In the ordinary course, the attributed impulse is the same as the output impulse, because it is self-conscious. This is to say, that the consciousness of all actors adheres to the impulse. Thus, there is no space between the impulse and the intersubjective reality which affirms it. It is only in sublimation, only in negation, only in avoidance, that impulses are concealed. In becoming aware that your self-conscious impulses interact with the nine affirmatory dialogues immediately, becoming actualized, you realize that every thought manifests a reaction in the object of consciousness. In negating the action pursuant to that impulse, you are severing your action from your consciousness. It is this which produces the non-self, the negated self, which is the fossilized perceptual experience. Since, the self continues further to the expression of that impulse, the non-self is reintegrated within that true self, as a retrospective projection, without the negation, further to the expression of the impulse in the parallel stream. In other words, the linearity of your experience when negating an impulse is an artifact created by the convolution of expression and the integration of self minus the negation. Linearity is thus an illusion. Reality is actually fundamentally nonlinear, even when it appears to be following a linear path, there are deviances, convolution, which follows from negation. In fact, only about 90% of people even assume that they are living in a linear stream. For the remaining 10%, nonlinearity defines their day to day life. That's the end of the podcast for today.